tough, you have to be ethical. You wouldn't think it's too much to ask that women be paid the same amount as men for doing the same job. We really do need journalists who will act without fear or favour. I love the mansplaining. I'm enjoying it. Journalism has changed uh, so much, particularly in recent times. Donna Lang is bubbly and loves a chat. I think that's kind of fitting for this life she's built. She loves interviewing people and telling their stories, not just for online, but TV and print as well. And she makes some really excellent points on the importance of the media. You're listening to Media Secrets. So, Dana, thank you so much for letting me come out to your beautiful property here. Um, obviously, the, the podcast is called Media Secrets, but before that, I'm going to get you to just do a bit of an intro of yourself. How would you pitch yourself if you had to? The elevator pitch. Mm. It's such a um, daunting prospect. So, <laughs> I like to think that I find creative solutions to television and these days, public relations challenges. So, my background is broadcast journalism where I organise teams of people or I work solo to create news and production content under tight deadlines, as we all do. And I um, also use those three years, those three decades of experience Mm. to assist my public relations clients maximise their media coverage um, about their services and events. Really cool. And what about a secret? What do you think most people wouldn't know about the media industry? Well, there's lots of secrets and we can never tell them. (laughs) But the thing that I think is um, really interesting is that in television, every story revolves around great pictures. So if you don't have pictures, you don't have a story, even if it's a very interesting story. Mm. You know, television news must have great pictures, and so that means every story starts with a camera operator Mm -hmm. and that... um, There are a lot of people involved in putting a new story to air, but a camera operator can be one of the most important people on the job. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, And so why did you get into this industry to begin with? I was always going to be a lawyer. And then my (laughs) high school boyfriend convinced me to go along to um, Creative Industries Open Day at QUT, where I learned about their, um, their, their degree in creative industries. And I was just hooked. And I actually started in advertising Mm. which a very clever English teacher said to me oh Dana I don't think you're going to like that (laughs) (laughs) and um, I did work experience and it was everything that every cliched movie about advertising uh, has ever portrayed it was just terrible they were just so shallow and dog eat dog and anyway one of the core subjects was I had to do journalism and I um one of the assignments was to interview someone and I interviewed a girlfriend about anorexia Mm. Uh, and we really got quite personal that interview and we were in the lecture theatre and when I finished the whole lecture theatre was just quiet and I realised they had become so emotionally involved in this girl's story that I just understood the power of storytelling and I became very hooked So I talked my way into becoming the one and only work experience student at a Sydney-based current affair program that Channel 10 ran for one year called Page One Mm -hmm. and worked alongside, or didn't work alongside, but I got to shadow Chris Masters and Mm -hmm. Katrina Lee and it was just this really amazing eye-opening week and Chris Masters said, Dana, before you go into television, learn how to write. Mm -hmm. And so... 
I finished university and sent out applications to about 16 regional newspapers and got my first job in Mount Isa at the newspaper out there and so it all began. And how was that, you know, working regionally? Regional was such an eye-opener. It was such a growth time for me as a person and also as a journalist because everything's compressed into this one little town. So the federal politician and the state politician and the mayor, they're not these people that live at a distance. They live in your street. And so you form relationships that are really very different to what you would form as a journalist in a large metropolitan area. Mm -hmm. So the federal politician who was Labor, he would have barbecues and he would invite us around. (laughs) And Graham Richardson would turn up and Graham Richardson would start talking about the number crunching Mm -hmm. drama that's happening in Canberra at the moment between, you know, Bob Hawke and Paul Keating. And we'd be sitting there and excuse me, um, should I leave because I, I'm a journalist? And he looked at me and I was all of, you know, 20 and just knew no one would believe anything I said anyway. Um, and so you just got to sit in and listen to these really fascinating conversations and you learned to grow. And the people that you socialised with were the lawyers for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Corporation for Legal Service. And so you got to have these really interesting insights mm. into really complicated issues Mm. and yeah my growth as a person and and a journalist was enormous in those formative years. What about what you love most about this industry? I love finding out things. I love talking (laughs) to people and I love asking questions and sometimes I can't say what the answers are. I can't reveal those um, as all of us can't and we Mm. find out things that um, we can't share at the time or what have you but I just like knowing them I don't Mm. always need to tell everything (laughs) I I love I love talking to people and interviewing people and I love the ability to tell stories that need to be told uh, for justice reasons and um, yeah just trying to sorry that's really throwing me dogs barking yeah so uh, I, lo- I like the social justice side of things wonderful um, and why did you decide to head into freelancing talk me through that whole process so I'd been in I, I moved uh, in Mount Isa actually moved into television news and I stayed with television news then uh, for about 15 years and I um, eventually moved to Brisbane, met my husband and we had some more children and I had been working for the extra program which was just so child friendly because we finished work at five o'clock every day and extra got axed and I moved into the newsroom and news had just changed to a one hour format so I would be finishing work at seven at night and I just couldn't see how my husband would manage with the two small children Mm. on his own and so uh, we were offered the opportunity to purchase my family business which is a boarding kennel in Cattery, very different but I could work from home and in that space I could also work part time still within Um, news and also with a small number of PR clients to keep my hands in things. And what about PR? How is it kind of different to what you were doing in the newsroom? So I think when you do public relations, you've got a few choices on the type of clients you might be attracted to. You um, might be the sort of person that likes to deal with, um, say, fashion or... Mm -hmm. um, or real estate developments, I still very much 
choose my clients based on my own beliefs. Mm -hmm. So I specialise in vocational uh, education sector and I work for an apprenticeship and traineeship organisation where we um, promote the programs that they offer, but they offer programs to kids with dyslexia. Okay, cool. To adults, to former defence people who are finding it incredibly hard to transit out of the services into Mm. civilian life. They have a high focus on women, refugees. So it's still got that real social justice feel to it. And I get really excited about writing those stories because they're still very much like a a news story uh, and then promoting them to news organisations. And I really get a lot of... um, satisfaction out of that lovely um and so what about um the challenges that you have faced over the years and any lessons that you might have learned from that i guess the first really hard lesson for me as a journalist was my feeling of invading other people's privacy yeah (laughs) and Obviously, you're taught to be a good girl and to respect, you know, people's privacy and to respect your elders and all that kind of stuff. And most journalists at some some stage in their life are going to face a situation where they're reporting on a tragedy Mm. and you need to talk to people who have been involved in the tragedy or have lost loved ones. And I had a... um, There was a really, really tragic story in Townsville where two small boys had been playing on a rail line and were killed. And we, all of the media in Townsville were tasked, we we just had to go and find the parents. So all we could do was just door knock, go from door to door to door to door. And and I can honestly say I door knocked 50 houses that day. But then I gave up and I figured 50 is enough. That I can say that I tried, mm. uh, but of course the opposition kept going. Not not that I saw them keep going, but that night when I watched the news, mm. there were the parents. I had stopped because I thought, well, I tried, and now I can just say, I, you know, I can feel comforted that I've respected their privacy. When those parents were on the news that night, they wanted to talk to the media because they wanted to show that somebody was to blame for their children's death. There should have been fences Mm. at that rail line because it was right next to a housing development Mm -hmm. and a housing development in in an area which had lots of small children. Mm. So if it wasn't their children that had gone playing and strayed into the wrong area, it could have been other children. And so they had a message and they had a warning. And I realised that what I was receiving as an invasion of privacy wasn't necessarily so Mm. and that they really needed to be able to speak out about what had happened and so it just gave me that spin on privacy and so I've always known now when there is a tragedy and you do go to speak to a family you really don't know what it is that they want to say and they may really appreciate being given the opportunity to do that. And sometimes it's not just about a message is it It, it's about it's about you know, giving their loved one a tribute as well. I mean, I had a similar situation um, where a young girl in the area I was covering um, had committed suicide as a result of many years of online bullying and um, issues with depression. And, you know, despite, you know, her parents trying really hard to get her help, it just it wasn't enough and it wasn't you know enough for her and um, unfortunately she did end up ending her life and 
when we went to speak to the parents, you know, they were obviously quite distraught and they sort of didn't know what was really happening to them and what their new life was going to look like, but they wanted to show people who this beautiful human being had been. You know, she was only 16 years old. She, you know, had um, brothers and sisters that she loved very much. And so we gave this beautiful two-page spread in the paper, you know, with all these wonderful photos of her. And, you know, so I feel like it's not always about, you know, the parents giving a message, but sometimes it's just about showing that, you know, that that incident there was a real human there you know like there weren't it's not just another number and that's a beautiful gift to give to someone who's lost their loved one is the ability to tell everyone what an amazing person they were and it felt like such an honor you know like it felt like you know you're letting me into this you're you're letting me into your mind where you're so vulnerable and you're it's such a personal situation and and someone who had experienced Um, you know depression and suicidal thoughts myself I knew how you know how she must have been feeling in those moments before taking her own life you know so it it was nice to kind of have some empathy when telling the story as well not sort of coming in cold and just saying okay well we want to we want to know all about her and just tell us whatever you can but having a real emotional connection with them as well so um yeah, so that was a really nice experience. What about for you? Did you have any experiences where you thought, you know, wow, that was really nice. We were able to do something really amazing for that family or, you know, something that you look back on your career and it really sticks out in your mind? I think, you know, people often accuse the media of being intrusive, mm. but I think without the media... And without being able to show people what's happening, you can't get a reaction and a response back and Mm. you can't either change things or improve things. And I know we talk about the Brisbane floods a lot, but, you know, just... The effort that the crews, yeah, there was a lot of people lost. I know know, their whole lives just about. You know, but the effort that those cameramen went to on the ground to show what people were living through, and then that outpouring of reaction from the public and people, you know, in all different parts of the city that just came out and helped. You know, um, I think that was a really pivotal part, a pivotal moment for the city as well, just to understand that strangers can help strangers and um, and you can have that outpouring of emotion that can actually turn into action. Mm. And I suppose in a way it makes us seem like we're real human beings as well because obviously we are and sometimes you do get affected by those situations. Um, and so what do you wish you'd known about the industry before getting into it? I wish that I'd realise that I was never going to become rich. <laughs> uh, my, I've got a brother-in-law who's a lawyer and um, they live in a very, very nice house on a canal. Um, but uh, you, you, you must do a career that you love and not for the money. Um, I didn't realise, I guess, how long and exhausting the hours would be mm. and that to 
be able to achieve what I wanted to achieve, I would have to really commit a lot of hours over a lot of time. And I did do that. Mm. Um, But then once I had my family, my priorities changed. And I didn't realise how addictive this industry would be. Oh, it's so addictive, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. You know, here I am. I I don't need to still work part-time in television but I just can't give it away yeah. it's just that adrenaline rush and the deadlines is just amazing yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and so what about some advice that stuck with you over the years uh I think the most I think what's really important is to keep being curious so keep yourself informed you know make sure that you go to the effort of for me personally, I get the newspaper delivered every day and I read it. Uh, and then wh- whichever brand of newspaper you want delivered, but to stay informed. The reason I like a newspaper as opposed to reading my news online is that I don't really have a great interest in international news. But when I open my newspaper, it's there. Mm-hmm. And so I can skim or read over the international mm-hmm. news, but at least I'm absorbing it as opposed to flipping the page on my um, iPad and ignoring it. Mm-hmm. Um, Um, So I think it's really important. And then also to be watching your craft. So if you're a television journalist, watch, watch the news, watch programs. If you have access to, you know, international broadcasts to see how they're doing news in different ways, uh, parts of the world. When I was in um, regional Queensland, I was desperate for a mentor and you just couldn't find people that would give you really good feedback on your scripts. And so I used to watch the Metropolitan News and you only had one station to be able to watch in those days, you know, and I'd write down key phrases that they used and how did they transition Mm. from this to that. And, you know, so I just think it's really important to just keep reading and keep watching. Um, And then also, you know, don't wait to be recognised for your abilities. We really do need to create our own career paths. Mm. So um, if you are in a job and you feel that you're not reaching your potential or that your potential hasn't been recognised, don't get disillusioned by that. Just realise that it just might be time to move on. And that can be really daunting in a small market where you don't have many newspapers to to change employer with or many radio stations or many TV stations. But I've seen some people go from one station to another and really flourish, mm. you know, and so take control of that and just keep tabs on your career and how it's going because time goes past very quickly and so you want to really get the most out of what you're doing and the other thing is just to be kind you know if you lose that ability to be kind to other people and to have empathy you can't be a good storyteller Mm. and so don't lose yourself don't lose yourself in the long hours or you know the the craziness of the media world just always stay kind and true Mm, that's a great message um and what about you know for some journos out there listening that you know might be stuck or might be struggling you know is it also a good idea to to upskill and and you know how can they do that do you think that they should you know similarly to when you know you were a baby cadet or a baby journalist you know looking at the different programs or is it more about studying extra things these days what are your thoughts on that well last year I did a diploma of marketing so that I could learn a little bit more about uh, social media Mm. and 
I would like to do some more study again this year. But I think sometimes you just need someone on your side because we have a lot of skills that we don't necessarily realise that we have Mm. and it might take another person to identify those for you. My marketing lecturer last year was an incredible woman who's working in a new area of recruitment which is personal branding Mm -hmm. and so you go to them and you can do coaching or you know you can do it for free but what they do is they teach you to just look at what you actually have and the skills that you have and how transferable those are and that it's not always about being best it's about being different Mm. and that if you feel that you're not getting those skills, the best way to gain new skills is actually on the job. So maybe think about a change of direction in what you're doing and changing jobs. What I've learned from my experience over the last five years of leaving the industry is that they actually still have positions available for you to come back to. Mm. And so you could go out and sort of cherry pick a few different things. Definitely there are courses out there, but, um, you know, I think getting the work and work, you know, gaining those experiences on the job would be beneficial. Okay, great. Um, So we're going to just move into fast facts as a bit of a sum up to um, the episode. Um, So what motto do you live by, Donna? Well, I guess my husband and I, the motto we live by is that we just work hard to get the most out of life. So that means on weekends, we really try to get out of our own suburb. We like to go camping and hiking and we just like to do different things. And I don't want to spend my days just mowing the yard or (laughs) flicking through social media on my phone or reading a book, you know, just to get out and uh, and enjoy life. That's great. Um, And what about the best place to work? I think in terms of the amount that I learnt, I think regional was really amazing. It really was. Um, I think in terms of employment, Channel 9's been great to me. I've worked in production, I've worked on documentaries, I've worked in news, I've worked on extra. I've had a real variety and I really love variety. Beautiful. Um, And what's your dream job? I think working on an amazing public affairs program would be just fantastic with great research and the resources to spend time really getting to the bottom of great stories that's cool um and if you could live anywhere in the world where would that be and why i do have to say australia i'm a real homebody but i think northern new south wales would be fantastic nice and so what unusual skill or talent do you have i love making jewelry but not um uh, just just costume jewellery. So at the moment I'm playing with polymer clay and making my own beads and adding in tassels and things like that. That's cool. And um, yeah, I really love it. And um, my market is the Mother's Day stall at school. <laughs> now, Donna, anything else that you want to add in there? Any other pieces of advice that you think um, are important to share? I think the most empowering thing that I've learned over the last few years is that there is still a place for... Um, those of us who are just trying to work part-time because of family commitments and that even if it's not the most 
amazing job in the world it's still putting your finger in the pie and mm. still learning things as you go along and keeping up with technology um, and that's been really interesting I didn't think that I would get the amount of part-time work that's been offered to me and that's just been really yeah really rewarding wonderful well thank you again for um joining me this week i really appreciate it thank you reggie of course a podcast like this simply wouldn't be possible without the support of the amazing organization women in media the queensland-based team and the ever wonderful caroline graham she's a walkley award winner she's been so supportive i'm so thankful for having her Thanks, guys, so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. So if you've got any feedback, I would really love to hear it. So contact me on social media or contact me through the website. Until next time.